I don't have much time to tell you about baptism because we have 26 people getting baptized this morning. Yeah, praise God for that. Great. 13 in each service, and uh, between the two services, 15 adults and 11 students. What a picture of God at work that is. And so, I want you to know some basics very quickly, though, before we get at it. Here's number one, six of them total. Number one, baptism is an act of immersion. Baptism is an act of immersion. Immersion because that's what the word means. It means to dip under. It doesn't mean sprinkle, and it doesn't mean pour. It doesn't mean that. It means to dip under. And the example of Jesus reinforces it. Mark chapter 1, verse 10 says that Jesus came up out of the water. That's the quote, up out of the water at his baptism, which means he had to be in the water. He had to be immersed in the water. So by definition and example... Baptism is an act of immersion. Number two, baptism is an expression of belief. It's an expression of belief. That's why we call it believer's baptism. It's not only the command in Scripture, which I'll touch on in just a minute. It's the example where people came to Christ. They they came to salvation. They were saved by God's grace. And then they confessed their belief in him in the waters of Baptism, and it's an expression of belief. It's one of the main ways in the Bible. In fact, it's the main way in the Bible for us to say publicly what we believe personally. It's the main way that we believe in Jesus. Several times in the Bible, you find statements like, When they believed, they were baptized. Acts 8 12. And those who received his word, another expression for belief, they received it into their heart and soul, made it a part of them, staked their life on it. Those who received his word were baptized. Why? Why? To express their belief, to show their faith in Jesus. It's baptism basic number two. Baptism is an expression of belief. Number three, baptism is a picture of salvation. A picture of salvation. In 1 Peter 3, the Apostle Peter compares the experience. Stay with me on this because this is explicitly biblical. He compares the experience of Noah's salvation with our salvation. True. 1 Peter 3, verses 18 to 22. You can look at it offline. He compares the experience of Noah's salvation with our salvation. Just like Noah was saved from death and judgment in the waters of the flood, we are saved from death and judgment now. And just like Noah was saved in the ark, we are saved in Christ, united with him. And then Peter says this, baptism corresponds to this or pictures this the the fact that Noah was saved in the ark and we are saved in Christ saved from death and judgment baptism corresponds or pictures this portraying outwardly in the waters of baptism portraying outwardly what has already taken place already taken place inwardly 
If I'm not careful, I'm going to break out and start preaching here. We've been saved from judgment and assured of eternal life that's already taken place inwardly. And those who are getting baptized are showing it, picturing it outwardly. It's a picture of salvation. Number four, baptism is an act of obedience. And here's where I want to say at the top of this basic that this isn't just about those who are getting baptized this morning. I'm pretty sure that this is about some of you who have yet to be baptized. You've already proclaimed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've already received him into your life. But you've never been baptized to show it. Baptism is an act of obedience. It's something that we are told to do. Like Peter said once again in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Repent, that is, get saved, receive Christ, ask forgiveness of your sins, turn from your sins and the strength that God provides, repent, and, he said, be baptized. It doesn't get any clearer than that. It's a command. It's a command. And, and I can already hear some of the thoughts in some of your minds if I can just address it and address you directly. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm too embarrassed to do that. I, I don't want to talk in front of people. I'm scared of that. I don't want people to see me with my hair wet. We've heard them all. And as real as every single one of them might be, whatever your reason for disobedience is, your refusal to get baptized is an act of disobedience. An act of disobedience that you are continuing in, in your refusal to be baptized when you know good and well what the Bible says about it. Baptism is an act of obedience. What it's not is an act of salvation. Can I clear this up too while we're at it? It's not an act of salvation. Baptism doesn't save us or even contribute to our salvation. Not one iota, not one-tenth of one percent. It, it doesn't save us, it doesn't contribute to it. If it did, that would make it a work. If baptism in any way, shape, or form contributed to our salvation, that would make what the Bible calls a, a work, something tangible that we do in order to get saved or be saved or ensure our salvation. But the Bible says just the opposite. The Bible says that we are saved by grace. We are saved by God's choice, by God's unmerited favor on our lives. And that salvation is a gift Everyone understands that. Salvation is a gift, the Bible says, not a result of works. 2 Timothy 1.9. Ephesians 2.8 and 9. So baptism can't be an act of salvation or even part of it. Rather, it's an act of obedience. We get baptized because we are saved, not to get saved. That's number four. Number five, two more. 
Baptism is a part of discipleship. Baptism is a part of discipleship, just like learning about the Lord, just like learning about the scriptures and growing in your sanctification and all of the rest. Baptism is a part of your discipleship, a part of following Christ and learning from Christ. Like he said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples, Jesus said. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Words of Jesus. The command there is to make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples. That's the command. And the process for it is baptism and teaching. Make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. So baptism is a part of discipleship. Just like learning about the Lord is a part of discipleship. It's a part of following Jesus. Basic number five. And then number six, baptism is an opportunity to witness. You know how glorious this is, amen? Baptism is an opportunity to witness, not just by the words that people are speaking, but by the very act of their baptism. It's an opportunity, a golden opportunity, to witness, to declare to everyone, the Lord first and foremost, but to everyone else as well, who you are in Christ and what he has done in your life. It's an opportunity to show and tell what God has done in our lives. Like David said to God in Psalm chapter 40, verses 9 and 10, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. I have spoken of your faithfulness. He's speaking to God. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. Every single one of you is going to stand here in just a minute. Those of you who are going to get baptized, and you're going to speak of God's faithfulness to you in your lives. Love it. Preach. Preach. That's witnessing. When you tell of God's faithfulness and his salvation in your life, that's witnessing. And that's exactly what each and every person is doing by both getting baptized and by sharing their testimony. They're showing and they're telling God's work of grace in their lives. Six baptism basics. And if you've never been there, done that, you've never been baptized as a believer, make a commitment to do so. Maybe even right now before you ever witness a single one or maybe while you're witnessing them. Make a commitment that next time, next opportunity, you're going to be in these waters. That you're going to take advantage of it. And if you've been waiting far too long, that you're going to be disobedient no longer. Make a commitment. But if you are not even a believer yet, make that step one. If you've never been saved in the first place, Start there. Listen closely to what is said. You're going to hear the gospel over and over again. That is, you're going to hear the good news of Jesus over and over again in 
the unique way that he has saved each and every person, but the good news is going to be the same news every single time. Listen closely. And if the Lord is at work in your heart, if the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart, open it. By all means and any means, open it right now as you listen. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that very thing, to pray together, to be saved at the end. And so I trust that if you're not saved, you'll hear and give the Lord the place in your heart and life, first place that he so gloriously deserves. Let's pray. Father, do a work, will you? Do a work that we can't imagine and do a work that we wouldn't have imagined if you had told us, told us ahead of time. Use these baptisms, God, as a witness and example. A witness to encourage the saints and a witness to convict sinners. God, would you do that? Would you use them as an example for others to follow? Bless them. Bless them for stepping into the waters, for sharing their testimony, for proclaiming you as Lord of their lives. Do a work, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thirteen different stories of how God used the circumstances of their life to get their attention and prepare their heart. Some of those circumstances pretty difficult. Don't wait for difficult circumstances in your life to give your life to Jesus Christ. Don't wait for him to drop a rock on your head to wake you up. Hear what's been said and hear what the Lord is saying right now in your heart and soul. Because you too can be saved just like every single one of them if you admit that you're a sinner. That's the first step. Admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And being saved starts by admitting that that's you, that you fall short of God's glory, that you fall short of God's standard of holiness, that he requires to be in a relationship with you and to be in his presence. Admit that you're a sinner. And believe in Jesus. That's the next step. There are plenty of people in this world who say, yeah, I'm a sinner, and many of them shouting it from the mountaintops these days. That certainly doesn't save them. You need to believe in Jesus that when he died, he died for you and rose again so you can too, both spiritually now and physically later. Believe in Jesus. Believe in who he is and what he did so that you can be spared from an eternity of judgment and give an eternal life starting right now. 
Admit you're a sinner and believe in Jesus and repent of your sin. Oh, there's the hard one. There are plenty of people in this world, once again, who, yeah, they well know that they're a sinner. They even believe that Jesus exists. They may even believe that he was the son of God, God in the flesh. But they refuse to give their life to him. They refuse to turn from their way. They refuse to turn from their sin and the strength that he provides. Don't be like that. Harden your heart no longer. Repent of your sin. That is, ask God to forgive you of your sin. And in the strength that he provides, commit to turn from it. He'll help you. He'll help you. And that's not to say that your life will be easier because of it. It's not to say that turning from your sin will be easier. And chances are it won't be at times. But Jesus will be there. Jesus will help you. Jesus will strengthen you. Jesus will guide you. Jesus will lead you. Jesus will comfort you. Repent of your sin. Get on your knees, literally or metaphorically, and do business with the Lord and receive him into your life. Admit, believe, repent, and receive. Receive him into your life as Savior. Receive him into your life as Lord. They go together. One without the other is not salvation. To think that Jesus is your Savior, but he is not your Lord, and that you don't follow him is not salvation. It's both and or it's none. Receive him into your life as Lord and Savior to live for him and to live his way, enjoying his presence forever and ever, soaking up the peace that we heard about over and over again, overflowing with joy unspeakable, full of glory as the Bible says it. Who in the world doesn't want that? Who in the world doesn't want eternal life? Plenty. Plenty of people because they've hardened their heart and they refuse to bend the knee. They refuse to surrender their life. Don't do it. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus. Repent of your sin and receive him into your life. Let's bow our heads. And if you well know that the Lord has been speaking to you in that respect, I want you to pray with me. If God's knocking on the door of your heart, open it and pray with me right now. Something to this effect. It's not the words. It's your heart. In the quietness of your heart, say something to the Lord like this. God, I admit it. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've done wrong things. I admit that I think the wrong way. I admit that I'm the furthest thing from a saint. God, I admit that I'm a sinner. But I believe in Jesus. You tell him, God, I believe in Jesus. 
I believe that he is God in the flesh. I believe that when he died, he died for me, for my sins. Taking the penalty I deserve, you tell him. I believe that when he rose again, he did so, so that I can too. So that I could be given life. I believe in Jesus. And so God, I repent of my sin. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me of my sinfulness? I want to live your way. Help me, I pray. God, I repent. And so now I receive you into my life as Savior and Lord to live for you instead of me or anything else. God, I receive you now. Now and forever. If you just prayed to receive Christ, I'm not going to ask you to respond right now, but what I am going to ask is this. That you make a commitment to follow through on the decision you've just made, on the prayer that you just prayed, that you make a commitment to get baptized the next opportunity. Will you do that? Will you, will you respond that way? The main way? The Bible's way? You tell the Lord, oh God, I, I commit right now to proclaim you, to proclaim the name in the waters of baptism in the strength that you provide, Lord. No excuses any longer. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. God, I trust that you have saved souls and made whole in this moment. I trust it because your word says that it will not return void. It will have its intended, intended impact, its intended influence on hearts and minds. And so God, knowing that it is the power of God, the gospel is the power, your power unto salvation for all those who believe, I trust that you've just saved. Will you seal them now by your spirit? Will you flood them with an overwhelming sense of your presence and goodness and give them a desire to hold fast no matter what, no matter what the temptation, no matter what the friends who may leave, no matter what the people who may say, God, would you give them an overwhelming desire to hold fast and would you most of all hold them fast? We trust it, Lord. We trust it in the name of of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Amen.